Amen, amen. Thank you, Brother Terry. What a message in that song. I tell you, I believe I'll just follow that up with a sermon. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. You're going to have to listen quick. You're going to have to listen real quick. And um, so God has a message that he wants to share this morning and wants us to see. Mark chapter 15, we're going to look at a couple of verses beginning in verse 20. And then we'll look over to Romans chapter 16 and we'll look at one verse there as we look at the inerrant, the inspired, the inerrant, the infallible word of God. Mark chapter 15 and we'll look at verse 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to be crucified. Now that word led is an interesting word. It's, it's, also, it's as though they were kindly assisting him. He wasn't able to walk. He'd just been scourged, been whipped. And so the, the actual Greek word is that they assisted him. They helped him. They led him out to crucify him. Verse 21, And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Terry just sang about Simon. Had those two boys, Alexander and Rufus, was with him. He compelled, they compelled Simon of Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Some translations say they forced him to bear his cross. Now, if you will, look at Romans chapter 16, verse 13. Paul just simply says, salute Rufus. You heard that name before, we just read it. One of the sons, Simon from Cyrenian. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. In a crucifixion, the victim always carries his own cross because he's guilty. Just in a regular crucifixion, the victim carries the cross. But in this case, the Lord Jesus was carrying your cross and my cross. The Lord wasn't guilty of any crime, but he was bearing the guilt. He was bearing your guilt, he was bearing my guilt as he went to that place called Golgotha. And now this person referred to as Simon the Cyrenian, he was going to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, carrying his two sons with him. Kind of strange because he was going to Jerusalem for the Passover, and then on the way he meets Jesus. He meets the Passover lamb. And the Bible teaches us that this was somewhat a divine appointment. I believe in divine appointments. That simply means that God is, is, per, is putting us at the right place at the right time. This morning I want to share with you the sermon entitled, In the Right Place at the Right Time. And so God had been working in Simeon and Simon's life. 
And now he's at the right place at the right time. But there are times in our lives where we feel that I'm in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. And no doubt that's, that's how this man felt as he comes upon this crowd. And what you need to understand about divine appointments is uh, even though in your, in your life, perhaps right now, you may feel like right now you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe you're saying, I'm living in the wrong neighborhood, or, or perhaps you're saying, I have the wrong job, or I'm going to the wrong school, and you feel like you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But many times, if you'll only trust God, you'll find that really, actually, you're in the right place at the right time. So first in this, three little things I want us to see, and God wants us to see. First of all is, there is an empty boast. There's an empty boast. I wonder where the Lord's friends were on that day, on this day. Think about all of those that, all those lives that he had touched. Think about all those people that he gave hope to that had no hope. Those that were sick of disease that he healed. Those that were blind that he gave sight. Those that were lame that he gave the ability to walk again. Think of all of the demon possessed that he set free from all those demons. Think of all of those people that he, had, that he gave hope to that had no hope. Where were they on this day? He never turned an ill person away, never turned a sick person away, never turned a demon-possessed person away. He gave sight to the blind, he gave deaf to those, he gave uh, uh, hearing to those that were deaf, he, he gave walk to those that were lame, delivered the demon-possessed, took the withered hand, gave a complete healed hand. He healed twisted feet, and the list goes on and on. But yet on this day, when he needed someone to stand up for him, no one stood with him. No one stood up for him. He needed someone just to stand and say, Hey, I'm, I'm with you, Lord Jesus. I'm with you. But not a single soul can be found that he had helped on this day. Now listen, if we're not careful... If we're not careful as believers, we'll begin to enjoy the blessings of God without expressing gratitude for the blessings from God. So many times in our Christian lives, we actually take the blessings of God for granted. I mean, as, as we sit here this morning in, in a nice building, and I mean, we, we kind of take blessings for granted. Although you, you think that you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, if, you, if you've been saved, I mean, if you've been saved, you have a testimony, regardless how bleak things may seem in your life right now. I mean, you know that there was a day that, that you passed from death into life. There was a day in your life that you trusted Christ and you, you passed from, from darkness into light. There was a day in your life that you were transferred from the family of the devil to the family of God. 
There was a day in your life that, that you knew as Paul that when I die that I'm going to heaven. For the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But right now where you are in life, the wrong place, wrong time. But yet you know what the thief knew on the cross there when Jesus turned to him and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. You know Christ made that same promise to you when you were saved. But yet <clears throat> we kindly take all that for granted. We get up in the morning and we take for granted that our souls have been redeemed and our sins have been forgiven and, and our, our names written in the Lamb's book of life. We kindly focus on the wrong things on the wrong day. You see, the greatest blessings that God can give you is to redeem you and to save you, forgive you of your sins. And we take those blessings for granted. The fact that the sun came up on you and upon me this morning the fact, the fact that we have breath in our body, the fact that we have another, we had another heartbeat, <laughs> we should not take those blessings for granted. And the Lord shouldn't have to, because of those things that have been given to us through him, the Lord shouldn't have to, have to hunt and search for anyone to bear his cross and to give him worship or to give him praise or just to be his hands and feet in regards to Christian service. How sad. After all, we've been blessed that he has to look for people that are willing to serve him who have received the gift of eternal life. Point is, where are all those who boast of how how great Jesus is. How we're all those who boast. I love the Lord. I'd like to stand and say I love the Lord. We're all of those on this day. I can't help but thinking of how empty our words and promises are from time to time to the Lord. Verse 21. The Bible says they compelled Simon. They compelled certain man, Simon. Now, this was the first time that Simon had ever met Jesus. In fact, Simon, Simon the Cyrenian, he's from northern Africa. Some people believe that when, when the, uh, uh, some people believe that he, he had already come to believe in God. And now he's from northern Africa, and it, kind of, it probably took him a month to walk from where he was into, into Jerusalem. It, it, was a, it was a trip that he planned for. It was a trip that he'd saved for. He didn't want to get caught up in the drama you sang about a few minutes ago. He just wanted to go on this trip of a lifetime to, to go to one Passover, to celebrate one Passover. You know, Simon was just a, he was just a common man. Simon's a common name. There was another, if you remember, there's another Simon in the Bible, Simon Peter. He, he said this, he said, Lord, Lord, I'll never deny you, Lord. I promise I'll follow you. Lord, I'll follow you to prison and I'll follow you to death. But where was he on this day? Empty 
promises, empty promises. You see, the Lord just don't the Lord just doesn't need our talk. He needs and he wants and he desires our hearts and our lives. He desires full surrender of our lives. If you stand and say, I love the Lord, you boast? Is that an empty boast? Check out church on Sunday night. Check out church on Wednesday night. The Lord just doesn't need our talk. He needs our heart and our lives and our full surrender. And so today the Holy Spirit He's looking for believers that'll stand up and say, you know, I'll be counted. I'll worship him. I'll praise him. I'll witness for him. I'll go wherever I need to go to, to share about what he's done for me. I'm not all talk and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not all talk and no do. That's who the Lord's looking for. People would say, I'm willing to stand and confess today that, that I'm totally surrendered to this person by the name of Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and he's my Savior. So first of all, there's, there's an empty boast. But secondly, there's a, there's a heavy cross. You see, this was, this was a routine crucifixion. I mean, they mocked him. Verse 20, they mocked him. The cross was about humiliation. They mocked him. They put purple on him, the scripture says. They mocked him. They provided him a robe, a costume, you might say, of a, of a king. They put purple on him. They put this, this royal color on him. They gave him a robe. They gave him a crown of thorns. They placed, literally, they hammered that crown of thorns on his head. They, they, uh, they scourged him with this cat of nine tails that had these leather straps and and this, this whip had these little bits of bones and bits of metal in the end. And they, they called this muscle guy, this muscle guy's name, he was a, they called him Lector. He was a Lector. He, he, he worked out. He's a bodybuilder. And he could take care of his job scourging anyone. He knew how far to whip a person. Just one stripe from death. One stripe. Forty less one. One stripe. And so this scourge was designed to, to, to cause pain and misery, and, and Christ experienced that. This, his flesh was just literally ripped off his back. Theologians tell us, some say that, that, that his organs in the back, toward the back, uh, perhaps were even showing. That's how he was beaten. Peter, if you remember, Peter quotes, by his stripes we are healed, but the literal translation says, by his stripe we are healed. And when Peter looked at a distance at, at this Jesus that had been scourged, he was scourged so bad, so brutally, it just looked like one stripe. That's what Jesus went through. Now remember, he's already emotionally Devastated. If you remember him going into the garden to pray, and he prayed with such, he prayed so hard that that uh, his his pores open and above his eyelids, his brow, and he began to sweat drops of blood. Those capillaries burst open, and he began to sweat drops of blood. And so he he was already emotionally devastated. Then he was scourged. He was beaten. He was tortured. That his beard was plucked out. He was he was a bloody mess. 
And John chapter 19, verse 17 says, that's when they, they left Pilate's hall and he began to bear his cross. And so he's gone through all this, now he takes his cross. And so after he sweat the drops of blood in the garden, after the beating, after the torture, after the scourging, he leaves Pilate's hall, he carries the cross on his bloody back, and, and no doubt they say perhaps with the loss of blood he was already dehydrated, and while he was on his way he stumbles. He stumbles. Do you, do you realize how far Jesus went in order for you and for me to be saved? The Bible says he left heaven. He left heaven. He, he was in heaven and the incarnate Christ came in the flesh there in Bethlehem. He left heaven to come here in order that we might be saved. He left heaven. Not only did he leave heaven, but he lay aside. He laid aside not, not his deity... But the outer trappings of his deity, he laid aside his glory, he laid aside his majesty to come here. Then he suffered, he bled, and then he died. He refused to go back. Why was that? Why, why wouldn't he go back to heaven? He said, Father, let this cup pass from me, if it be your will. Nevertheless, not mine, but yours be done. But this was his destiny. This was the purpose for him coming. And so for your information, as they began to take this trip to Golgotha, these soldiers, they would form a, a square. You had a soldiers in the front of Christ, down the sides of Christ, and in the back of Christ, and Christ was with the cross in the middle of that square of soldiers. You had one soldier out front carrying a placard, a wooden sign. And this sign says, Jesus, the King of the Jews. Someone said perhaps that was the first gospel track ever written. No doubt it was. It was really the truth. They said that he blasphemed. You know, he blasphemed. Someone said, you know, he's a blasphemer. You see, it's okay to say you're the king of the Jews if you're the king of the Jews. It's okay to say that, that you're God if you're God. He's not blasphemed. Jesus was God. He's God, and he'll always be God. He was God. He is God. He'll always be God. And not only is the king of the Jews, but he's also the king of the Gentiles. He's the king. He's the king. He's the king of America. He's the king of the world. He's the king of all galaxies. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the king. And all of a sudden, our Lord, our Lord stumbles, and they, they turn to this unknown man standing there. He's minding his own business. He's just coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. And, and all of a sudden, all at once, he's involved in this situation. This was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. He was trying to skirt around the side of the crowd. He didn't want to get mixed up in this. He brought his kids with him. He brought Alexander with him. He brought Rufus with him. And he wanted these boys to share in this very special time to, to observe a Passover. Just one man in a crowd. That's all he was. But then he was compelled. 
He, he didn't come to Jerusalem. He'd seen crucifixions as a very common thing. He, he didn't care about the crucifixion. He was going around the crucifixion, no doubt trying to get away from the crowd. He was just to celebrate the Passover. It's all he wanted to do. And he's moving through the crowd to get where he thinks that he's wanting to go. And then he ends up thinking, hey, I'm at the wrong place at the wrong time. And all of a sudden, he kind of feels a tap on his shoulder. Now, if you remember, there's a a law among the Romans, which was known as the law of, the law of, they call it the law of impressment. You're impressed to do something. And so he's walking along, all of a sudden, he feels something on his shoulder. What he felt on the shoulder, it was a Roman spear. And they laid it on his shoulder. And Jesus referred to this law, the law of impressment, when he says someone compels you to go one mile, you go, you go two miles. And that was the law of impressment. And so uh, the Roman soldier, he, he would come up to someone and they'd be on a march and they'd go through a town and he'd lay the, he'd lay the, spear, touch the, lay the spear on the shoulder and he'd say, carry my backpack. And they'd have to carry it. He's carrying my backpack. They were required to take it a mile, but Jesus said you need to take it two miles. And so Simon of Serene is just, you know, he's, uh, he's minding his own business, and all of a sudden he feels that soldier's spirit, and he says, I want you to carry the cross. I want you to carry the cross. Just think, he came all the way from North Africa for this. He probably was thinking all along the way that he was being asked to carry this cross, to bear this cross. He's probably thinking of all the coincidence that took place to get him where he was. Imagine that. Coincidence that happened along the way to get him to this place at this moment. Have you ever had coincidences? Really, there's none. God's just placing you where he wants you to be. We say, well, that's a coincidence. Judah and I, we've had coincidence in our life. It wasn't a coincidence. It's just an act of God. His was not a coincidence. They were just unseen work of the unseen hand of God. That's what it was. And so God had him at the right place at the right time. And so the point is, instead of getting up bitter every morning like so many people do, you just need to understand that, uh, that God has a purpose in the job that you have or God has a purpose in the school that you attend. He has a purpose for you there. He has a purpose for your job. He has a purpose for whatever you're going through. There's a purpose in your pain. There's, there is a, a dynamic in your disappointment, one commentary said. There's a dynamic in your disappointment, and you need to understand, this is just an opportunity God's given me. You need to understand that what you thought was a series of coincidences has brought you at the right place at the right time. God has you there for a reason. So here's a man who'd never seen Jesus, never had met him, who'd never received a miracle in his life, who'd never been healed of a sickness, who had never been delivered of a demon, this man from North Africa, because God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, this man from Northern Africa, you know, the book of Revelation speaks of this, 
The book of Revelation says you'll see the church standing before this Passover lamb one day. And they're standing before the Passover lamb, though, though it was slain. But now he's alive, and the Bible says that they're from every tongue, every nation, and they've been washed, they've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. They've all been grafted into the body of Christ, the church. And so God gets this man from northern Africa. Now get this. Now, the, the Revelation said that we're coming all together where there's no Jew and whether there's no Gentile, and whether there's no bond, there's no free. I mean, it's not because you're, you're in heaven, not because of your ethnicity. You're in heaven, not because of, uh, of your social status. You're in there, not because of your religious background. You're a Baptist or Methodist or whatever. It's not because of your political background, but you're in heaven because you were just a sinner saved by, gra- by the grace of God. That's why we're in heaven. This guy's from northern Africa. And the unseen hand of God arranges his schedule and brings him to the crucifixion of Jesus. Can you imagine, Simon? No doubt he was just trying to just slip through the crowd, mind his own business. Just slip in, slip out. That's all he wanted to do. That's what some people want to do at church. They want to just slip into church. They want to just slip out of church, mind their own business. What some of you perhaps thought you were going to do today. What you thought you were going to do really didn't happen because what you thought you were going to do, just kind of sneak in church and sneak out, but something happened. Something's happening to your heart right now. You're not being touched by a spear, but you're being touched by the Holy Spirit of God calling you to salvation. That's what's happening. You're feeling that tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart, and this morning the Holy Spirit is calling you to come to Jesus. You have this gracious opportunity this morning to stand and respond to the invitation of the Lord Jesus. And by responding, you're really saying, Lord, I count it a privilege to bear your cross. That's what you're saying. Now, it was a heavy cross that Jesus bore. A heavy cross. I mean, just it just wasn't the weight of the it wasn't the weight of the wood, but it was the weight of the world, see? Because all of the sin of the world, the, the past sin, the present sin, the future sin, all of that was weighing down on Jesus. So first of all, you have this empty boast, this man named Simon Peter, all taught, no do, but at the same time, God raised up another Simon. God raised up his Simon and had him at the right place at the right time. An empty boast, a heavy cross. Our Lord, you know, he stumbled under it. But uh, that was, uh, there was this man by God's design, this man by the name of Simon, there at the right place at the right time because God had a plan for him. I'm going to close with this. There's a, there's an empty boast, there's a heavy cross, but then there's a great privilege, great privilege. Notice this, this man is Simon. I mean, he's, he's the guy the Holy Spirit picked. Uh, 
You understand what he did? After Jesus stumbled, he didn't pick up the back of the cross like some commentaries suggest. He didn't do that. He didn't pick up the back. Jesus fell under the load. And Simon, after he stumbled, Simon was compelled. He was forced to bear the cross of Jesus. Now, the Bible says all of us are to bear a cross for Jesus. Now, how do we do that? First of all, we do that by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. And I believe with all my heart, this man's life was changed by bearing that cross. Remember, his sons are with him. Alexander and Rufus, they're with him. Remember Romans 16, 13, Paul sent out a greeting and said, Help tell a great Rufus, and, and he's chosen of the Lord, and his mother is like my mother. And so this, this is the same person. Acts 13, verse 1, there was a leader in the church of Antioch whose name was Simeon, and that's just another way of saying Simon, another way of saying Simon. So the point is, Simon of Serene's life was changed when he was willing to bear the cross of Jesus. His life was changed. Can you imagine that day? All of a sudden, that spear touched his soldier, his shoulder, and then he just reached down and he lifted up that cross and he's walking side by side with Jesus Christ. And when he gets to Golgotha, he just kind of lays it down and he stands back as Terry was singing and he begins to watch the crucifixion. He sees the face of love of Jesus. You mentioned that in the song. He stands there. He sees Jesus lifted up on the cross between heaven and hell. He's standing there. He sees the love on the face of Jesus. He sees the blood pouring out of the body of Jesus. He sees, you know, he hears the words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He hears the conversation that Jesus had with the thief today. You'll be with me in paradise. He feels the ground shake. He sees the sun go dark. He's there. He's a witness. He hears the Roman soldiers say, uh, the Roman soldier that said, Surely this must have been the Son of God. He hears that. I don't know, and the Bible really doesn't record it. It's really just religious speculation, I guess. But I just wonder, you know, Jesus was a kind person. He, he was just a kind person. And, you, you know, I believe, I just kindly think that when he fell beneath the load and Simon reached down and picked the cross and carried it on to Dogatha, I believe Jesus just turned and said, Thank you. Thank you. For carrying my cross. Thank you. Somehow, somewhere, Simon got saved. I really believed he became a leader in the early church. I believe his wife got saved. I believe Alexander and Rufus got saved. You know why? Because there's power in the cross. That's what your marriage needs, perhaps, today is the cross. That's what your children need, perhaps, is the cross. That's what your home needs today perhaps is the cross you need to come to the cross you need to come to the cross just forget about your religion this man uh, had the blood of jesus on his shoulder all of a sudden he felt he felt some blood this is the blood of jesus he got but he didn't get the blood of jesus on his shoulder that getting it on your shoulder won't work. It's getting it in your heart what makes a difference in your life. And I believe Simon got it in his heart. That's what's going to wash your sins away. The blood that was flowing from Calvary. It's kind of interesting. It's the same blood flowing in this room today. 
that washes away your sins. Not the baptistry, but it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. You can bear the cross by receiving Jesus. That's trust in Jesus. You can receive him by, by you, you receive, you bear the cross by trusting him. You receive Jesus by professing him through believer's baptism. I mean, that's a confessing part of salvation. That's, that's the least we can do. Then we follow him. And Simon bore the cross of Christ. Did Jesus not say that if you're going to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross and follow me daily? That's what he said. So what does it mean to bear the cross of Christ? It means that Jesus Christ has a rightful position in your life. That's what it means. It means that he's in charge of your life. It means that he's supreme in your life. It means that all of your life centers around him. That's what bearing your cross means. Years ago, and I'll close with this illustration. Years ago, the church gave Judy and I a, a cruise on our 25th anniversary. And it was a Christian cruise. And I never will forget it. I never had been on a cruise before. I'd been down Bear Creek in a car hood boat, but that was about it. But uh, they sent us on this cruise, and I thought it was interesting. The first thing you do when you when we got on that and kind of got out of the, you kind of got out into the ocean, they they called us all together and and they had this lifeboat drill and life jacket drill just in case it sunk. They said, and so they get us all together and they talk to us about you know this lifeboat drill and about it's talking about a sinking discussion. Uh, the discussion was about the ship sinking. And so <clears throat> we went and we, we took our life jackets. You had to take your life jackets with you. Now they don't call them life jackets. They call them flotation devices. That's what they are now. And so you go to this station and they go through and how you use your flotation device. And they, they talk about the straps. You know, you got to have your straps a certain way and you got to pull them a certain time. And then they, have, they talk about that flotation device and that you have the strap. And you have a little light when you hit the water. If it's at night, the, water, the light starts, supposed to start flashing. And then, and then they, they talk about a whistle. You got a whistle. If you need that whistle, you can, you can blow that whistle. And so they talk about that. And you go back and you put that in the drawer of your cabin. And you know where your life jacket is. And so after the drill, after that drill, no one talks about that life jacket anymore. I mean, you're not standing at the buffet saying, hey, you know where your life jacket is or what color life jacket you get or you like your life jacket? Nobody ever talked about the life jacket anymore. I mean, the point is you're just glad the life jacket's there in case, in case the ship sinks. But you really don't want to think about it after you just figure out where it is. You just kind of forget about it. I mean, uh, you want to have a good time. You want to go to the buffet and to the shows and go on the excursions and have a hot tub and swimming pool and all that, but you never want to think about that life jacket again. That's the way some people are with Christ. They don't want to go to hell. So I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to get saved. I'm going to say a prayer. And I'm going, I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm going to put my life jacket, Jesus, just in the drawer. And I'm going to pull him out of that drawer. And until then, I don't want to think about him anymore. I don't want to talk about him anymore. 
But if the ship begins to sink, if my marriage begins to fail, if my, if my job begins to have trouble with my job or I start having trouble with my children, I want to make sure I know where Jesus is where I can pull Jesus out and put him on. You see, when you bear the cross of Christ, you put on Christ. Don't miss this. You put on Christ, and you wear him every day, wherever you go. And by doing that, he directs your paths. He leads you where he wants you to go. And so the invitation today is simply this. You're at the right place at the right time. I talked about this empty boast. Some of you have got an empty boast. You boast about how much you love the Lord. God wants more doing than he wants talking. I've talked about the heavy cross. I've talked about the great privilege. And so today the Holy Spirit has touched your heart and he's pleading with you to trust Christ. And some of you have received Christ, but you've never confessed him through a believer's baptism. You need to come today and request that. Some of you have, have uh, never given Christ the rightful position in your life. You've never done that. He's, he, uh, he's to be completely in charge of your life. He's to be supreme in your life. All your love, Dad, all your love is to be toward Him. He's to be your first love. Your wife, second love. Spouse, second love. All your love. Jesus is, when Judy and I married, I said, Honey, there's someone that I love more than you. That's Jesus Christ. She said the same thing. He's first. He's to be first in our life. And he's to be that way in our family. He's to be, our family is to be centered around Jesus Christ. And so today, with all that said, you're at the right place at the right time. God's brought you here, not by mistake. He's brought you here. And so today, would you be willing to bear your cross for him? Let's have a prayer together. Father, thank you for a time that we've had to open your word for each person here. And now during this invitation time, I pray that, that uh, we'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, that there be no distraction while the Holy Spirit's speaking with people. I pray that we might sense how important this invitation is. This invitation perhaps is, is just would be an opportunity for someone today to miss hell and to experience heaven. And so I pray your Holy Spirit has touched hearts today. I pray they'll see you. I pray they've heard you. And so, Father, thank you for just being a spokesman, for me, allowing me just to share this today. Thank you for what we've learned. And we give this time, Lord, all of our time is to you. And, Lord, we pray that you would work in this invitation time. In Jesus' name we pray.